0: The issue in the, the issue in my life today is that my heart would be wholly His, and the issue in your heart today is that your heart would be wholly His, completely His. Um, last Sunday, I asked you to assess where you are spiritually. And uh, I want to spend a little bit of time in prayer today, and in essence, we're going to have an invitation at the start of the sermon, and then we're going to have an invitation at the end of the sermon. Uh, In these weeks in January, we're going to be talking about taking higher ground. Uh, At the end of the sermon last Sunday, you each got a copy of... These 12 marks of the disciple. If you weren't here, there are some on the Lord's Supper table on the rails at the front. There's some also in the back in the foyer. I ask you to make a spiritual assessment of where you are based on these 12 marks of a disciple. Obviously... Steve, can we put those 12 marks on the screen Uh, if you don't have one of these? Obviously, our relationship to Christ starts with a salvation experience. It's demonstrated publicly and outwardly through baptism. Uh, I ask you to evaluate the territory of your life, (laughs) different areas, God's Word. What is it that God wants well as a student of the word he wants me not only to know the word of god but the word of god the truth of it to penetrate my heart that i might that my mind might be transformed by the truth of god's word and each of us are somewhere in a journey in that knowledge of god's word the same is true for prayer Uh, there is much ground to be taken in the area of prayer that not only would it it's not just time it's the quality and what god does in the midst of prayer how god changes my heart and how god begins to demonstrate his power in changing the world Uh, another territory in our lives our commitment to community in this body of christ where am i what is it that god is calling to me what is the higher ground in, in the sense of unity and commitment to this body of believers in this church, what about death to self? We're going to be talking about it in the weeks to come, but are there areas of your life that you're holding on to that you really can't say, No, my heart is wholly His because, mm, you know, there's this area of my life that I, I just, I'm not willing to give up. And it may be territory that God's saying, No, this year, is a year that I need to take that territory what about the area of love relates to our relationships are there people in your life that God's saying I need you to learn to love I need you to learn to forgive that person Uh, a servants heart are there areas of service that God says I'm calling you to this and this year, I don't want you to be satisfied with what you've done. I, I want to broaden your territory, the area of giving in our time and our talent and our money. What is it that God is wanting to do as a witness? You know, what areas of my life if I really just conceded to the enemy and said, you know what, I'm not even going to broach the subject because I don't, even, I don't know what the ramifications are there. I don't even want to go there. And God's saying, no, I need you to take some territory there in the area of perseverance resilience and the area of being a reproducer i i want us I, I can't really move on until we've made an assessment of where we are as it relates to where god wants us to be we talked about it in our life group this morning. We so easily compare ourselves to one another. The comparison is not where somebody else is and, well, am I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm right there. I'm fine. No, that's, that's not it. The higher ground, the, the 12 aspects are, those are God's evaluation of those things that's the higher ground that's the promised land that's where God wants to take us and he wants us to take more and more territory can we show the map I I don't know I'm a visual learner David Shaw's a visual learner there may be a couple other strange people in the crowd who are visual learners and when God called the children of Israel to come and to take the land he assigned them territories and they had to go in it took about 15 years I, I may come back on that but I think it was about 15 years And they took this stronghold and they went into this area and then eventually after they kind of uh, controlled the land then God said each tribe needs to go and you need to take your land. That's what I, I liken the 12 marks to these 12 tribes and areas that God said there's areas this year that you need to take that you've just conceded. It's yours. And so I want you to think as we talk about taking new territory about these things Um, I want Shane to come and play just instrumentally I want this to be a time of prayer I want you to pray about um, where you are in relationship to where God wants you to be and this is what I'm asking you to pray for ask God what is the territory that you want me to take this year And it may not be all of it. Next year, there are going to be more territory. But it may relate to one of these 12 areas. It may be something else that God says, this is what I'm calling you to do this year. And so let's just spend just a little bit of time in prayer this morning. Father, we uh, we know that you know where we are even more than we know where we're at. Father, I just ask that you would show us where, where we are at. journey with you. And Father, then I, I would pray for each person that's here that you would begin to show them today hopefully you've even shown them this week that this is where you want to take them. Father, I pray that you would give us a dissatisfaction with where we are. Father, make us feel uncomfortable. And Father, give us a vision of the life that you have planned for us. It's a good life, it's a life of blessing and power. Father, I pray in the days and the weeks to come that, Father, you would begin to mold our hearts so that our hearts would be wholly yours. Father, I trust this to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul said, that the story of israel that is told in the old testament isn't it is a spiritual example to us in first corinthians ten one he says moreover brethren i do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea all were baptized into moses in the cloud and in the sea "...all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness." And this is his conclusion in verse 6. "...now these things became our examples." They are recorded for our benefit. I summarized last Sunday the history that we're covering with four words. The word promise, redemption, provision, inheritance. I understand this morning we're recovering ground we covered last Sunday. (laughs) We cannot move on until we make an honest assessment of where we are the promise to Abraham starting in Genesis 12 and seems like every chapter is that I'm gonna give you a land yes I'm gonna give you many descendants but I'm gonna give you a land Abraham has a son and his son has sons and his son has sons 12 tribes of Israel find themselves in Egypt and after 430 years they find themselves in bondage. Now they've become about 2 million people. They went into Egypt and they were about 70 people. 430 years later they're about 2 million people but they are in bondage until God calls a man by the name of Moses to take them out of their bondage to a place that he will He has promised them. He had promised them the land of Canaan, but they lived in the land of Egypt as slaves until God redeemed them. One night that God came by His powerful hand and took them out of Egypt. And uh, days later, they found themselves trapped against the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea and takes them through, a symbol of the symbol of redemption is not just of redeem them out of slavery, but it's the passage through the water, a symbol for us of baptism, Paul would say. God redeems them. And for a number of days, he, he takes them to the Mount, Mount Sinai and he gives them the law. We're going to come back to that. But after that, he says, let's go up and take the land. I've promised you the land. But in the inner meantime... God gives them bread, water, meat to eat. He leads them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. They didn't have to decide where we're going, where will God provide for us. No, God's providing all of this. And so the time in the wilderness is a time of provision. But it is not what God ultimately had for them. God did not redeem them out of Egypt for a life in the wilderness It was the land that flows with milk and honey. The land of Canaan. That was their inheritance. That's ultimately what God had. And in the book of Joshua, we will see in the weeks to come, God assigns them land and they go in and God gives them a strategy. Um, I've asked you to pray and ask God, where am I? And what is the territory? that you want me to take this year and God's honor is at stake at this point not only I know that as a pastor I can't tell you what it is that God wants to do in your life and I can't even tell you God's strategy but I believe that if God will show you what it is that he wants you to do if you will set your face before him he will also show you how am i supposed to do that and god will show you the strategy as we will see as they went into the land to take the city of jericho you all know that story the walls will fall one of these sundays trust me Uh, if you will ask god what territory to take god will also give you a strategy you see our story of our own spiritual journey follows Israel's story. And what I want you to see in these four aspects, and the reason I've covered it again, is because you're on a journey and your story is somewhere in that story of promise, redemption, provision, inheritance. And that's really what I'm asking you to ask God. Where am I? And we don't reach the place where God wants us to be higher ground until we come to the inheritance. And we take that land and we possess the land and what it is that God has for us. This year I am asking you as you pray and I've already prayed this, don't Be satisfied until you've made it to higher ground and God has given you everything that He wants you to have. Well, and let me tell you, you're never fully going to get it because the Apostle Paul, we started with that last Sunday, Philippians 3, I have not yet attained. Not that I have already reached, but I press on. All of your Christian life, till Jesus takes us out it's still going to be pressing on there's always going to be more territory to be conquered but don't be satisfied to find a spot in your spiritual journey and just say well you know this is where i'm comfortable i found my sweet spot i've kind of i've gone as far in the journey as i want to go no there's more don't be satisfied to settle For where you are today. No 2016 will be a waste. If at the end of this year. You're at the same spot spiritually. That you were at the start of the year. Then why did God give us this time. If it wasn't to make progress. In the journey. That sentiment. Is expressed. In the second verse of the old hymn. It's not entitled Higher Ground. If you're looking for it in the hymn book, it's I'm pressing on the upward way. And the first verse, of course, says, New heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. But it's the second verse that I want to prick our conscience in these days. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise And fears dismay. Hmm. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. And so I would ask you that you would pray and that you would ask God what it is that He wants to do in your life, and then you would ask Him for His strategy. For whatever area of life, you use the 12 marks of disciple, disciple, <laughs> God's Spirit is not bound by the 12 marks of the disciple. God, what is it you want to do? And how is it that you're going to do that in my life? We can't move on. if you're sitting there and you're not interested in that I don't really have anything else for you I I don't know if we cannot be honest before God and to say God where am I and where do you want me to be and for us at least to start with saying and God I'm at least interested (laughs) I would entertain the option of saying so what is it that you want to do in my life and really until we're there there's we can't go on we're just like the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness has God redeemed us? yes is God providing for us? yes are we getting anywhere? no we're going to still be wandering in the wilderness December 31st of this year and I say what a waste I say that to myself God don't let me be satisfied don't let me be comfortable but if you are there with me I know nobody's going to leave if I just say I don't have anything else for you if you're not interested in that you can leave you're dismissed I know nobody's going to get up so just hang with me I can't judge your heart but if you're there and you will continue to pray, and as you've prayed, God, what do you want to do in my life? Then I want to look for a few moments at what the next step is. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy 1. The book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law It is at the end of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Um, I want Moses to tell the story 40 years afterwards, what happened 40 years before, when they came to the land the first time, the southern edge, and God said, go up and take the land. But they did not have the faith to go in and take the land. I could read that story, and you can find that story in Numbers 13 and 14. But I wanted to use... Moses' is somewhat condensed version of that story of sending the 12 spies in and the children of Israel refusing to go in. And what happened then, God, the, the spies went in for 40 days. And God said they were 40 days in and you will spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness until this generation dies and you'll be given another opportunity. They are on the brink of the promised land When Deuteronomy 1 starts, they're there again, not on the southern edge, they're on the eastern edge. Moses isn't getting to go in. The only two people of that generation that were of age that are going to go in are Joshua, which is the book we're going to get to, and Caleb. And they're old men. Everybody else has died of that generation. But Moses tells them the law again. Oh, start with me in verse 6. Y'all need to listen quicker for this next 20 minutes. If I can speak quicker, you'll need to listen quicker. Deuteronomy 1.6 And the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Mount Horeb is also Mount Sinai. It's where they went out. It's where Moses encountered God at the burning bush. It's where Moses went on the mountain top of that mountain for 40 days after they came out of Egypt boop straight line they went to Sinai or Horeb and God met with them there and he gave them the law the only answer they knew what is the name of this God who's called us and is going to redeem us Moses said so tell me your name that I may tell the people I am that I am Okay, that's a little, hmm, okay. We don't even know this God. God says, Moses, come on the mountain, and I'm going to reveal to you who I am, a holy God. And he not only tells him who he is, and he shows him his glory, but he gives him the Ten Commandments, right, on the stone. Y'all seen the movie? Yeah, actual footage of Moses. Looks a lot like Charlton Heston goes up on the mountain and God in his own finger writes down, these are the moral precepts. If you want to deal with the holy God, these are the top ten things you better be watching out for. But God told him more than that. When you read the book of Exodus, how to build a tabernacle, where you can come to encounter a holy God. And there's certain prescribed things, and there's courts, and there's priests, and they're going to wear this, and they're going to do this on certain days. And God said, here are all the moral laws, and this is how you are to live in relationship with the holy god god gave him all of that at mount sinai but there came a point at mount sinai deuteronomy 1 6 that god said you've been here long enough we're not staying at the mountain that's not my destination for you and so moses as he's telling the story he spoke to us in Horeb and he said you have dwelt long enough at this mountain turn and take your journey And go to the mountains of the Amorites. Oh, we're going to see the word mountains time and time again. The wilderness was at a low elevation. The promised land, a lot of it was at a higher elevation. So when we talk about higher ground, when we move from the wilderness to the promised land, we're moving to higher ground. The mountain of the Amorites, mm, you know the reality is the enemy dwelt in the land that God had given them. I was going to share this later, but I just got to share it now. (laughs) There was no enemy in the wilderness. You know why? Because nobody wants to live in the wilderness. There's nothing out there. No, you want to live in the promised land that flows with milk and honey. That's why the enemy lived there. If you want to stay in the wilderness, you're going to be fine. There's not going to be any opposition because there's nobody out there. You can kick around the sand all you want. Oh, and God's going to take care of you. As long as you're there, the manna's going to fall. Six days a week. Six days, collect twice as much. Rest on the Sabbath day. The promised land is what flows with milk and honey. But it's also where the enemy is. The Amorites and some otherites that we'll list along the way. "...to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains, and in the lowlands, in the south, and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land." And here's the phrase I want you to see. "...which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." To give to them and their descendants after them. If God says it once, He says it a dozen times, probably in in Deuteronomy chapter 1, it's the land that I've given you. Every time He says the land of the Canaanites, He says, it's the land I've given you. I've given it to you. I've given it to you. It's your promise. It's your inheritance. It's yours. You just got to go up and take it. You're a child of the King. It's yours. It's the land that I will give you. Oh, let's skip over to verse 19. So we departed from Horeb. That's a good idea. And went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites as the Lord your God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And it's about to go down in Kadesh Barnea. It's on the southern edge of the promised land. You know this story from Numbers 13 and 14, but let us read Moses' account. And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, notice this phrase, which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of our fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Moses knew what was coming. God for sure knew what was coming. It's not going to be easy, but it's your land. God will do it. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. The plan pleased me well. So I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe. And they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Escol and spied it out. These are the 12 spies. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us saying, it's underlined in my Bible, it is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. Hmm. We went up and it's just like God said in the phrase that is generally used, not used here. It is the land that flows with milk and honey. Great contrast to the wilderness. No resources in the wilderness. This is the land that flows with milk and honey. The spies verified it. Oh, it's a good land. God's plan for our life is good. It's not bad. Hmm. Then the word in verse 26, which is also, strangely enough, the same word that transitions in Numbers chapter 13. Nevertheless. The spies came back in Numbers chapter 13 and said, Oh, no, it's a good land. Nevertheless. The people there are giants and the cities are walled and we can't do it. 10 of the 12 said that, all except for Joshua and Caleb. Notice the nevertheless here that Moses kind of whoop shrinks the story. Nevertheless, you would not go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and you complained in your tents and said because the Lord hates us. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts saying the people are greater and taller than we and the cities are great and fortified up to heaven. There's some exaggeration there. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Oh, you can go back to Genesis chapter 6. Don't have time this morning. These are the giants. The men of renown of old. (laughs) The giants dwell in the land. Oh, we're going to have to come back and visit that. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or be afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes... Notice what he says here. The Lord your God who goes before you... He will fight for you according to all He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. God has brought you to this point and you've seen His miraculous hand. God has not left us here. He loves us. He has a plan for our life. He promised us this. He will go before us. He will fight for us. Think about all that He did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all ways that you went until you came to this place. Here it is in verse 32. Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and the cloud by day. You did not believe. You did not believe. You did not have the faith that God would do what He said He would do. They lacked the faith to go up and take the land. Hmm. I want you to know this morning that higher ground will always require faith. If your heart is with me, and you say, God, where is it? Where am I? And where do you want to take me? I want you to know, at that point, God's going to require faith of you. The only way you will take higher ground is to have faith in God that God has called you to do it and He will do it. That's something different. Faith is more than obeying the law. You know the picture I get? God brought them out of Egypt. He went to Mount Sinai. He gave them the law the tabernacle, the priest, the sacrificial system, the moral code. And God says, live out this. This is the way you relate to a holy God. And they come to the edge of the promised land. And as far as I know, they're following all the ritual and all the rules. God, we're being true to who you've told us to be. We've got the little tabernacle. We're meeting with you all those feasts. We're doing all that. Anytime we sin, we're bringing the sacrifice. God doing it by the book. There's always more than just living a life that follows the rules. And what the Bible says consistently is it is faith. Taking God at His word and acting upon it. Do you understand? They could have followed the law. I don't know where this phrase comes from. Till they were blue in their face. They could have done all the ritual. But they were never going to get into the promised land and get to higher ground by just following the rules. Now the preacher's not saying don't follow the rules. It won't be enough because they came to the promised land and they were doing everything that God had told them to do and now God said, now I've spoken to you, I want you to go up and take the land that I've given you. Ho, 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 wait a second. I don't know that I want to do that. And most of them did not. Henry Blackaby says, <laughs> he asked the question actually, will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do? <laughs> oh, in a typical Blackaby fashion he says, God will always ask you to do something you cannot do. <laughs> because what does Hebrews eleven six 6 say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So apparently, following all the rules and doing all that is not going to be enough. It's not going to get you to the promised land. In fact, you're not even going to be pleasing to God. The Christian experience, the journey, will always require faith for God to speak to me and for me to respond upon that. Blackaby says that the task that God calls us to will always be a God-sized task that we are not able to do. Were the children of Israel able to go up and take the promised land? No, and they knew that. But they didn't have the faith that God could do it. Humanly, we will always see the strongholds and we will always see the giants in the land and we will conclude we are not able and we're not. But God is. And it will always require faith on our part to go with God, not just following the rules. Hebrews eleven six. 6, write it down in your notes, for without faith it is impossible to please God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk not by sight, but by faith. You know why we don't walk by sight? Because when we look at it from our human eyes, we'll always say, well, I can't do that. And you can't. And fear and dismay will come and reside in our hearts and we will not be obedient to God because we did not have enough faith, enough faith that God could do it. In fact, James's conclusion is faith without works is dead. If you say you have faith but it does not act, you see, because faith will always require action on our part. God says, no, I'm going to go up and fight for you. I'll take care of it. But you have to go up. And you have to trust me that I'm going to be able to give you the land. Can you die? Yeah. Is it risky? When we look at it humanly, yes. And so what I'm saying to you is is God is going to speak to you about some things that He wants you to do this year. And I'm telling you, I know it. I know it from my own life. Your first response is going to be, "But, but, God, I can't." And I'm telling you that you just need to understand what's what Blackaby calls the crisis of faith. No, you're, you're going to get to that point. God's going to say, "But I, I want to deal with this area." Well, God, I don't, I don't think that's going to work out, and I don't think I can do that. And, God, I'm no. It will always require faith to go to higher ground. I'm just telling you I'm just calling it. I know from my own life, I know from the Scripture you're going to hit the crisis of faith when God says this is what I want you to do. And I, In fact, He just says go up and take the land. He doesn't even give them the strategy. God says, well hmm. no, you're going to have to cross over and when you get there I'll be everything you'll need and I'll tell you everything you need to do but don't I, I've had this discussion with people through my years. God didn't give me a blueprint for ministry and say, now, Daryl, at 17, now this is what I want, I'm calling you to do and I'm going I'm to lay it all out and this is the way it's all going to go. No, God says, you know what I'm calling you to do. Now get up from your pew and surrender to me and make it public before your church and say yes. And then people, the old folks came and said, well, what, what is God going to do with your life? And I would say, well, I don't have a clue. I don't know what that answer is. I, he just said he has a plan, and I've surrendered to that plan. But you know what? I'm sorry. And God may work in your life a little different than mine. He may give you a blueprint, but most of the time, the most people I've talked to, there is no blueprint. It, that's why it's follow me. And I'll tell you the next step but I'm not going to lay it all out in front of you because what is it? why do we want to know that? Because we want to be in control and charge. Well, how's this situation going to work out if I'm obedient to you, God? Hmm. Well, you're going to have to step out to find out. I want you to know the one spiritual truth that higher ground will always require faith on your part Faith will always be action. In fact, if there is no action, then James says your faith without that action or works is dead. It's not really faith as God calls it at all. And this is the other thing. And this is how I have to think in my life. And I want you to think. And I I conclude with this. When you come to that crisis of faith, And God says, this is what I want to do in your life in 2016. And you're weighing in that crisis of faith time. Uh, I want you to know that God has a good plan for your life and He loves you. And the land flows with milk and honey. The other thing I want you to know is the wilderness is a place of death. To not obey God is certain death. It is life in the wilderness. Oh, it may take you 40 years. But you're going to die in the wilderness. Is God going to take care of you? Yes. Did He redeem you? Oh, yes. You're going to go to your heaven, heavenly home someday? Oh, yeah, you're going to get there. Yeah, it's going to be all right. In the great by and by. But between that time and when He takes you out, It's just a slow process of death. You know, I think sometimes we have to look in those terms. We think, oh, it's costly to follow God. Oh, we need to understand it's costly not to follow God. Just talk to Jonah about that one. To get to higher ground will always require faith. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray that you would speak, that you would unsettle us, you would call us to higher ground. And Father, I pray that you'd be very specific in our lives in telling us what territory it is that you want us to take. And Father, I pray when we come to the time of the crisis of faith, we would look, as Paul tells us, to the example of the Israelites and say, God, I don't want to, we- I don't want to waste another year. God, I-, I don't know how you're going to do this. But God, I will obey. So, Father, I pray that you would give us hearts of faith as we've seen you work in the past that we can trust you for today and the years to come so father i pray for this time i pray for any who have never crossed the line of faith that today they would say but you know i've never become a child of god father you would draw them to yourself today i pray for many others who are children of god that father you'd give us a holy dissatisfaction with where we are and you would call us to higher ground and i pray it in jesus name mm